Hi again, FPL managers. Welcome to the sixth episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Surtop, the data scientist. Data or grass, or data and grass? That's the question. Today we'll be talking about the fixtures, as the schedule was released last week. And even though it's still quite early days and without knowing the player prices, um, that makes it, of course, difficult to make any plans. But we'll see if Surtop already managed to do something with the data as it is. Furthermore, as the transfer window opens, we'll start keeping track of some of the joiners and levers in a weekly transfer update. And as usual, we'll also be answering some questions we received via Twitter. So let's start with the fixtures. I've seen several FPL accounts tweeting about it already, but honestly, as a casual manager, I couldn't be bothered yet. <laughs> but Surtop, I know you did some work with it already though in preparation for this podcast. So I'm quite eager to find out what did you do and what are your initial observations? Yeah, I feel like it is still early to talk about fixtures as you have mentioned there's still some time to look them in detail for most of the people but since i aim to record this podcast episodes more season independent i want to say a few words about the methodology you know how i mm -hmm. look at the fixture first okay uh, fixture difficulty ratings are quite popular for a good reason they are easy to understand easy to mm. process and fpl also provides a rating between 1 to 5 to help players a bit to distinguish uh, bad fixtures from the good ones. Right. And these ratings are often quite misleading though, unfortunately. There is no question that difficult fixtures are, well, difficult against top teams, mm -hmm. uh, but it is often lacking when it comes to mid-table and also to mm. promote the teams. And also... I think there is a need to separate attack and defense ratings, which uh, the FDR tables are usually mm -hmm. uh, seems to be lacking. Okay. Sometimes you get teams who are really good at defense, but they mm -hmm. are in general a bad team for attacking purposes. Right. So I think we will cover team strength models in a future episode, hopefully maybe in the next one or the one after that, because okay. I think fixtures are one of the most important aspects aspect mm -hmm. of FPL. So we can review where to find better resources to estimate team strengths, maybe in, a, in an, another episode. Okay, um, sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. So regarding what I have done, so... Uh, similar to what I have done last year. So I have used Ben Krillin's uh, spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I took it to read fixtures and I have combined it using 538 football team strength model. Okay. Um, for those who don't know, 538 has these ratings for every, well, for lots of football teams. They cover lots of leagues, uh, okay. including Premier League and the Championship. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great uh, starting place, in my opinion. There are slightly better team strength models, but I think theirs is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And they also give separate offense and defense ratings and also an overall rating for the team. Mm. And just you need to be careful that when evaluating those offense and defense ratings, you need to do some pre-processing 
and adjust the offense and defense ratings to the Premier League average because mm. the way they give those offense and defense strengths are based on, you know, how many goals can, let's say, Manchester City score to an average football team. So you need mm-hmm. to adjust that number to the Premier League average. But if you're oh, okay. comparing two teams, it's easy to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can discuss it later in detail. But so okay. with the current values, best teams of the league uh, are, I mean, this is not surprising, of course, but City, Liverpool and Chelsea mm-hmm. right. uh, with a rating of 93.4, 93.2 and 88.3 respectively. Okay. And wor- worst teams of the league are uh, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, and mm-hmm. Southampton with a rating of 56.5, 58.9, and 61.9, respectively. Mm. Okay. So I checked other FDR tables people have been preparing, and I think one team that people seem to be underestimating is Crystal Palace. I mean, which okay. we should cover in another episode about, uh, you know, which teams are overest- being overestimated and underestimated. Obviously, transfer season is not over too, but yeah, maybe we right. can cover it in another episode. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you keep mentioning things to cover in the next episode, so it sounds <laughs> like we're going to be busy. Yeah, well, you asked me about the, you know, fixture, and I was thinking about yeah. all these, and it seems like yeah. 30 minutes is not enough to cover it all. Mm. That's true. Yeah. So what I want to cover today, though, is what I have tried using optimization. Um, so everyone have the, the team strength models and they are sharing the, uh, those tables. And I would advise people to just go check it when they have time. I mean, we, ha- yeah. we, st- we still have some time. What I have tried is using the team strengths, you can mm-hmm. find optimal pairs of teams. And what I mean by pair is, for example, you can find the two teams who seems to have the best fixture when you combine them. For example, you between the two teams, you always pick one of them every week. Right. So it could be like two defenders, two cheap defenders, and you yeah. need to play only one of them every game week. Yeah. So it is a good exercise. I mean, it might not be the most useful thing ever, but it's a good exercise to see, you know, which combination of teams seem to work nicely. Yeah. Um, I think that's also quite useful. For example, for the goalkeepers, huh? if you're if you're yeah. planning to go with two playing goalkeepers, so and you that's can true. swap them, yeah, yeah, then it uh, makes sense to see the, whether they can rotate nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, I checked in terms of overall strength from zero to hundred, uh, as I mentioned before. So, the model I sold was pick two teams and play yeah. one of them. Uh, okay. The best pair, like overall, all combinations is Arsenal and Tottenham. Okay. And if you combine those two and pick only one, and the fixture difficulty in average per game week is 58 out of 100, which is pretty mm-hmm. good. And so the top teams, you, you are not always able to get the players you want. Right. And so I excluded top five teams of the last season. And then the results... Shows that the best pair is Leeds United and Nottingham Forest, and they are. Okay. If you combine those two, the average difficulty is sixty out of hundred, which is pretty close. 
So, all right, that's good. Um, and uh, yeah, first of all, it's, it's quite funny that you mentioned Arsenal and Tottenham as a pair because, you know, they're big rivals. I don't think <laughs> <That's> <laughs> usually true. they are mentioned as a good pair. But in, in, this, uh, in this context, it's good to know. And the mm-hmm. other one, interesting that you mentioned uh, Nottingham Forest as they are a newcomer in the league. So probably it's a good option to look at for some uh, cheap enablers. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, when I'm looking at the the difficulty here, I'm not including the team's own strength here. So I'm not including Nottingham Forest's own uh, rating when I'm evaluating the fixture difficulty here. But that's something we can do. Maybe (laughs) you will kill me, but maybe in another episode (laughs) we can include team strength too. Because that's, that's what I usually do. I just check the fixture as is. You know, if you are playing against uh, City at their home, you know, at away, I mean, that's yeah. a difficult fixture. It is more difficult to sure. say Nottingham Forest than Liverpool, of course, but it is yeah. how I evaluate initially, and then I include the team strength too. Sure. So um, you're looking uh, at the opponent's strength. Yes, opponent's strength. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. And from the same perspective, if you pick three teams and play two, the best mm-hmm. triplet is Brighton, Leeds, and Tottenham, with an okay. average rating of 62. So, you know, slightly harder, uh, as I mentioned. And if we exclude top five, then we drop Tottenham. But the, the optimal pick changes. It becomes Leeds, Nottingham Forest, and Wolves, with an average okay. rating of 64 per fixture. Um so in terms of offensive ratings, though, so I was talking about the, the overall strength, but you can also mm-hmm. look at the offense and defense separately. Okay. Uh, in terms of offensive ratings of the opponent, so in terms of picking defenders, uh, the best pair is Liverpool and Tottenham. And if we ex- exclude top five, it is Brighton and Leeds United. Okay. In terms of defensive ratings, best pair is Leeds United and Tottenham. And it's Brentford and Leeds United if we exclude top five teams. So looks like Leeds comes up quite often and Tottenham too, as I mentioned. Yeah. And we know that Arsenal has a very favorable uh, fixture at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I will share my quotes in Twitter soon and more analysis will follow. And But this was a quick look at the team ratings, but... We will cover more, hopefully, in future. Okay. Well, this was really great. Uh, it's interesting how you looked at it and in, in, in looking at it by pair. Mm-hmm. And indeed, some interesting observations already. It's, it's uh, Yeah, I noticed that Leeds comes up a few times. And I think, uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the transfers already being done uh, so far. And Leeds has, has been quite active. So I think it's a team a team we, we indeed need to watch. Yep. Okay. So that's already quite detailed analysis you managed to do. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been taking some notes. So I will surely look back at this when I will do my game week one planning. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, for the people who already want to consider the chip strategy, it's very early, but the amazing Ben Krellen already analyzed when the single and the double game weeks will take place. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, really crazy that you yeah. already could do this. Great work. So if you don't follow Ben on Twitter yet, you should definitely do so because he already mentioned the blank game weeks, 25, 28, 32, mm. <laughs> and yeah. then the doubles, 29, 34, 37. So that's still <laughs> quite some uh, long time to go. 
But yeah. yeah, one thing to keep in mind for this, I think, is um, yeah that as always, but especially maybe for the new managers, new to the game, it's it's a reminder that you should hold on to your chips until the final part of the season, yeah, because that's where usually the blanks and the doubles happen. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I already saw some people talking about game week one, maybe even playing a triple captain on Salah. Oh but, wow! Uh, yeah, I don't know. It might look attractive from some perspective, but that's a bold <laughs> but move, I would but, still yeah. uh, recommend to to hold on <laughs> to those. <laughs> um, yeah, talking about Ben, of course, um, you know he's looking at at the chip strategy. Didn't talk so much yet about uh, wildcard one. It's more about wildcard two, mm-hmm. related to to the blanks and the doubles. But um, if we think about wildcard one. And I think, you know, what you mentioned in last episode, uh, Sir Top, mm-hmm. is that from, a, let's say, from a mathematical consideration, it's, it can be optimal to use your wildcards to, to split the season in, into three parts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which in this case, or in this case, and in every case, considering that the season takes 38 game weeks, you should probably plan to use your first wildcard around game week 12 or game week 13. And and even that, you know, people might think, you know, why are we talking about that already now? <laughs> but I think yeah. it's important to keep in mind because sometimes, True. you know, you, people people think, you know, well, you know, I'll see what I do with game week one, and if needed, I will just use my wild card in, in game week four or something like that. But you know, that that's not really optimal. It's better to to wait a bit longer. Which would, would you agree? Yeah, 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 I agree. And also knowing when you will roughly use your first wild card is useful because that's how much you need to look at the fixture right because right. those play- players you pick in the first game week they will stay yeah. most of them will stay until your first wild card Good and yeah. regarding game week 12 or 13 for the first yeah. wild card that's i believe true for a regular season and mm-hmm. even for a regular season suppose we don't have any doubles or blanks uh so the the fixture shift itself should distort that value either you know a little bit earlier or maybe a little bit later in my opinion anyway but so this season if we are talking about this season or actually this will be the you know case for many seasons but especially this season uh, we have two big breaks the first one is international break between game week eight and nine and then the second one is the world cup obviously from game between game week 16 and 17 yeah so depending on whether they will give us an extra wild card or maybe a free transfer option uh, i think optimal will change if they give us an extra wild card i think game week nine looks like the best time to use first wild card okay. uh, right after the international break and if they don't then probably I would wait until World Cup is over. I mean, mm. if possible, because, yeah, lots of players will come back injured or, yeah, we might see some rotation uh, happening after that too. I feel yeah. like it is wise to keep the first wild card as long as possible. But again, so we were talking about the team value in the last episode. For those people, yep. they need to use their wild card early to... Uh, increase their team value so it will be interesting i'm i'm curious how it will be shaped honestly 
Yeah, I think the World Cup uh, makes it interesting. Uh, it uh, will be a different season compared to other seasons. So probably uh, people, if they are used to work with a certain strategy, uh, you might have to to look at it again to see if that that strategy will work again this season. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was also looking at the schedule a bit like what you mentioned. And indeed, you know, World Cup is taking place in November or December this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final matches before the World Cup will be played in the weekend of November 12th. Um, so that's game week 16. And yeah, I think it will be a, a popular and a viable strategy to hold on to your world to, to your wild card, the first one, until then. Because then, yeah, you can enjoy the World Cup. Maybe scout some players, <laughs> hoping that nobody <laughs> yeah. gets injured, and then uh, yeah, it gives you time to to build the new team uh, for for when the Premier League continues. Yeah. And actually, it continues on December 26, which is Boxing Day, mm-hmm. um, and it will be quite crazy after that because I was looking at it. There will be three game weeks in a period of just eight days. So there yeah. will be Boxing Day, then December 31, and also Jan January 2nd. So, yep. uh, yeah, uh, let's see. It's not too great for the players, I think. They will be have a <laughs> busy World Cup, then come back tr- uh, three game weeks in a short period of time. It will be interesting, definitely. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's a lot to digest already. Um, anything you wanted to add to it still? Yeah, regarding that busy time period, I want to say something. So, I think busy periods like these are where analytics methods shine the most because mm. you can process much more in a shorter amount of time compared to a manual process so i mean compare it yeah. to a game week one pick you mentioned that you will start taking notes check check it but if yeah. you have three game weeks in a span of eight days well, on the other hand so you won't have enough time to you know evaluate your options in deep so i feel like that part of the season is where I'm looking forward the most because I feel like most of the casual managers will drop in ranks and it is where I will certainly pass you in the mini league bus if by then if you are ahead of me <laughs> because I feel like your eye task cannot match my optimization speed, I believe. Ah, let's see. You know, if I would be ahead of you by then, I would already be very happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I'll be, I'll be, I'll make sure to be energized. You know, I still have some summer holidays coming up, so, mm-hmm. so you know, I'll be ready to make a good start. Okay. And uh, yeah, talking about that start, talking about game week one again, uh, I saw an interesting thread last week by FPL Dr. Ray. Uh, he finished nine times in the top 100k. He mentioned uh, two of which were in the top 10k, and uh, he shared some of his learnings, which I think is always great when when people do that. And one thing he mentioned was about team structure. And mm-hmm. I've heard other managers talking about it as well. But it's not something I apply too much myself. Um, and I was wondering how you approach it, uh, Sir Top. Um, so FPL Dr. Ray said, you know, I make sure that uh, I cover each price point in each position in order to move between players with minimum transfers and hits. Um, so, yeah, is, is this something you do as well? So, yeah, it's surprising that this same topic came up a few times this off-season. Okay. Uh, it wasn't something I have checked before. I have heard of it, but I have never checked. But mm. I feel like they have a good point. I'm not 100% convinced that people do this uh, to the extent of planning their every player with an escape or exit strategy. 
but I was trying to think of ways to replicate it using optimization or you know analytical methods in general. Yeah. And I have two ideas. One of them is very simple to implement, and the second one requires more work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is just adding an offset, like an incentive projected points to the players who have alternatives. Uh, for example, right. you or maybe deducting some points. So for example, let's uh, consider a case where you get a forward who is very cheap. But mm-hmm. if he gets injured, there is no other alternative who is also playing. So that could right. be a bad case. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can deduct some of the projected points from that player because in case he gets injured, then you need to take a hit, right? Yeah, so indeed. Then you can also add a kind of a positive number to the players who have tons of alternatives and then optimize it using that. And also in this case, you can even add the, any uh, in the bank amount you have uh, as a buffer so that you can reach to other players too. Yeah. So this is the first one. The second one is a little bit more computationally intensive, but you can first optimize the first, let's say, eight game weeks. And so you will have right. an initial squad of 15 players. Then you will generate, for every game week, you will injure one of the, those players. <laughs> okay, so interesting. In total, you will get a total of 100 20 scenarios I think and you need to you then you can use a stochastic optimization scenario based stochastic optimization and solve all those scenarios and see in which scenario with the plant transfer of course mm-hmm. uh, gives you the best case in in terms of average points and the best in terms of the worst case and so if you do this if you re-optimize, then it will give you a different squad, and then you solve it again and again, and eventually it will either converge to a team where you will have plenty of options, uh, mm-hmm. as it's mentioned in the tweet, or in other case, it will rotate between certain number of teams, it could be two or more teams, and it will enter into a loop then you can actually use your judgment to pick one of those okay. because those set will be the you know optimal set so you can choose one of those teams i guess all right well sounds uh, pretty advanced <laughs> is this something you're uh, planning to take another look at or to apply yeah i think so yeah because yeah team structure is coming up a few times so i'm i'm curious okay. if it will be useful all right i'm looking mm-hmm. forward to that Okay, um, let's look at another question. So next to the structure, there was this question that came in from the professor X4, who asked um, what your thoughts are on how to play FPL at different junctures, as he calls it. Uh, For example, reducing points difference or maximizing X points, going for a differential pick, like Son, he mentions, instead of picking a high-owned uh, player like, like Salah. So did you have any thoughts about that one? Yeah, so people ask this question time to time. I think maximizing expected or projected points should be the main approach for most game mm-hmm. weeks. I yeah. think it's especially true for early and mid-season. If people are picking yeah. suboptimal players you want to be picking the optimal ones so that you can build up a difference between you and them. 
And once you enter the last stages of the season, I mean, you can go a bit more conservative and pick the players with the high ownership to reduce the saving magnitude or yeah. go with low ownership players to increase the you know, magnitude so that maybe you yeah. can catch up to higher ranks. So, uh, but in my opinion, going with the, the optimal one, just trying to maximize your expected points, not considering ownership is a better way to start the season because people often panic in early season and mm. they start sacrificing some of those projected points to get those either differentials or the players who seems to be in, <laughs> I should say, form. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I mean, if you are playing analytically, it is better to play, say, focus on EV and okay. don't involve ownership rate until it is towards the end of the season. Okay. Yeah. Can you remind us again what you mean with EV? Uh, EV is the expected value, so okay. that's the projected points right. uh, in okay. general. Uh, you know, not everybody knows that by heart, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm just uh, thinking about our audience. Sure, sure. I don't want to lose them, and I also don't want to lose myself. <laughs> so uh, thanks for uh, explaining it. Okay, another question that we received was from Anshuman Mitra, who wanted to know more in general terms how you get the most out of the simulated scenarios to each game week. Now, with this, I think he's referring to a specific section on your website, uh, fploptimize.com. Is that right? Yeah, it is a tool on fploptimize.com, as you have mentioned. Uh, I am using the goal, assists, and bonus points rates of players and I'm mm -hmm. simulating uh, scenarios so it's only 100 scenarios for every game week and then it mm -hmm. I show you the you know average points you can accumulate so I mean simulated scenarios tool is nice and it's very useful for head-to-head -head and yeah. also for ordering your bench in my opinion other than those two use cases I mean I use it to evaluate my team after I, ha I have made my decisions to be honest because so those scenarios are simulated from the uh, expected values or <laughs> EV as we have just mm -hmm. mentioned the projected yeah. points so since it's a simulation it will be less accurate on average so if you're trying to make a decision for in terms of maximizing your overall rank I would suggest using the projected points and make your decisions based on that. But if it is a head-to-head -head purpose, because, you know, sometimes you have a player from one team and you have a defend defender from the, the team they are playing against. So uh, those right. two might be uh, clashing, right? So it is useful yeah. for those cases just to see, you know, where you can end up, you know, what's the maximum points you can collect or... Yeah. Is picking a player, does it reduce your, uh, maybe it is increasing your average, but maybe reducing the maximum number of points you can collect because right. uh, of the reasons, for example, for defenders, yeah. uh, it is, the spread is much think, less yeah. than, yeah, attacking players because attacking players like KDB can get multiple goals in a game week and then end up with lots of points, more often at least. Yeah. yeah. Never remember well. Isn't this what you use to win one of your mini leagues? To 
yeah, really yeah. Uh, compare your team versus your opponent. Yeah, that's true. That's true. For yeah. the last game week of the last season, uh, yeah. I used it to to measure Sigurd's team and and my right. team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if people want to learn more about it, you know, again, I can recommend to take a look at the website fbloptimize.com, and you will see a section which is called simulated scenarios. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, switch gears now from talking about using the model and analytics in general to using it to make a specific plan for the new season. Uh, FPL Sloppy asked how your model will work at the start of the season for players that are new to the league. Um, yeah, and I suppose that point predictions for such players indeed can always be less reliable. Um, is there any information you can share about how, how that works? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I know people are usually very skeptic towards the players who have never played in the Premier League before. Right. And best approach that comes to my mind is to figure out what the output rate conversion is between those leagues that they are coming okay. from. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, Tony L. Haber on Twitter produced okay. relative change between competitions last year around this time. So hmm. like the Bundesliga tax, as <laughs> many call it hmm. nowadays, okay. is around 17%. Or in other words, if you are checking the expected goal rate of a player, it is in average reduced by 0.07 per 90 minutes. So if you are taking an analytical approach and if you are checking the underlying numbers, then you need to adjust those numbers based on what their league average was and what's the average in the Premier League and hopefully find uh, a better prediction. And so the question asked about my model, but I think predictive analytics folks like FPL Review Mm. or the FPL Kiwi they're yeah. already using similar approaches and and the same thing goes for the promoted teams too because they are right. coming from a league that's that is uh in terms of quality worse and so we usually have these cup games and the champions league games to evaluate how those teams that who are not playing in the same league compare to each other so that yeah. you can understand the relative strength a little bit better but yeah you need to do some processing that's true Okay. Um, and it, they are not always super reliable for new players. So yeah. it might take maybe a few game weeks until our estimations are more reliable. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I, I keep being impressed by, you know, all the work and all the, the knowledge that people are putting into this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about amazing. the Bundesliga tax and, and <laughs> making adjustments. Yeah. It's really uh, quite quite amazing. All these people doing doing great work here in, in the FPL community. All right, well, as we're talking about new players, I think it can be interesting to also start keeping track of some of the confirmed transfers, mm-hmm. both uh, transfers in, but also transfers out, um, as yeah, we can potentially identify some fantasy targets already. Now, yeah, we won't be going into any transfer rumors because then yeah, the, the, the podcast would get even longer and it would be kind of a different uh, topic then for the podcast. So yeah, we'll just look at the confirmed ones in this section. And I was thinking to call it looking through the transfer window. <laughs> we might That's even a good name. need a, a Yeah, we might even need a jingle for it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like a radio show, let's see. 
All right. Well, you know, I went through the list uh, earlier today and uh, did my homework there. So I summarized a few transfers that stood out for me and I will just cover those in alphabetical order. So again, this is more the the eye test. Well, without mm -hmm. really seeing them play, but more the eye test, looking at uh, the transfer information without really looking too much at the data. But, you know, maybe it gives you a few names where uh, you need to uh, take a closer look at and, mm -hmm. and see some of the underlying numbers. Awesome. Now, starting with Arsenal. So Arsenal signed a young Brazilian forward called uh, Marquinhos, just 19 years old from uh, Sao Paulo. And uh, it's interesting that they are signing another young, talented player, as, you know, the Gunners already have a lot of young talents. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that's another one to keep an eye on. And at the same time, Lacazette has uh, left the team. He went back to France, to Lyon. So, uh, you know, no more uh, French uh, partnership in front. Obama Young already left and now also Lacazette. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, interesting to, to keep a look, uh, you know, keep, keep our eye on Arsenal. They did quite well last season with, with uh, a mix of, of young players. Of course, uh, Adi uh, and Ketia already did quite well towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, and now with this new Brazilian forward coming in, it will be interesting to see who will be uh, the starting forward. Then, uh, let's see, yeah, there was Aston Villa also being quite active. They already uh, bought a few players already. Yeah, we know about Continu, who uh, was now permanently signed. But they also brought in a Brazilian defender, Diego Carlos from Sevilla, for 26 million, so quite a lot of money for a yeah. defender. And uh, Camara from Marseille, who uh, is a free transfer, but apparently he just made his debut for the French national team. So that also looks like a good signing. Uh, Aston Villa, we should keep an eye on them as well. Then Chelsea, uh, yeah, nothing happened there with new new players yet, but you know there's new ownership, so let's see what happens. There are some rumors that they might sign uh, Sterling, which uh, could be a big move. But yeah, but I mentioned we will not talk about rumors, so <laughs> <laughs> let let's skip this for now. And uh, yeah, there are some that confirmed to leave. We know that Rudiger is going to Madrid. So he was quite a popular pick in FPL. So this yeah. is uh, one we will be missing. And I also noticed that Christensen has been released. So that maybe didn't catch the news so much. He, also not, he wasn't such a popular FPL pick, but he was mentioned sometimes as a, as a cheap option in the, in the Chelsea defense. Mm -hmm. Now we talked about Leeds before. They had they have quite an attractive uh, opening start of the season in terms of fixtures, and they also made some really interesting signings already. So two players are coming in from Red Bull Salzburg. There is Brandon Aronson, a 20-year-old USA international. He cost the club uh, close to 25 million pounds, so that's uh, also not really cheap. And also Grasmus Christensen, a 24-year-old Danish right-back. And then is also another player, uh, Mark Rocca, who was signed from Bayern Munich. So I didn't know his name. I also checked it. He didn't play too much at Munich. But he's a 25-year-old Spanish central midfielder. And, you know, he played at Munich. So he must be uh, quite, good, quite good, probably. So again, uh, for a side like Leeds, he might add some value there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then, uh, yeah, Liverpool, they have been quite active already as well. They signed the new forward, Darwin Nunez from Benfica, for a record fee of £85 million. 
uh, only 22 years old from Uruguay, and he scored a total of 34 goals in all competitions last season. So that could be a popular FPL option, I think. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. we don't know his price point yet, but uh, yeah, it can be interesting. And then in terms of yeah, players that are leaving the club, there are a few players that have been released, like uh, Divok Origi and also goalkeeper uh, Loris Karius. And yeah, Mane is, who, as we know, uh, quite close to a move to Bayern. I don't think it's 100% confirmed, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, likely to happen uh, any day or maybe even any minute now. So yeah, from an FBL perspective, there are a few changes there in Liverpool and a few new players to consider with Darwin Nunez, but of course also Luis Diaz, who already made a good impact uh, last season. So yeah. yeah, quite some interesting options there. Yeah, then Man City, but we talked about it already last week with Haaland, their big signing. Again, probably or surely a popular option for FPL teams. Uh, Manchester United, not much happened there, but besides, of course, signing a new manager. And what I thought was interesting is that they have released quite some players, which again, maybe didn't catch the news so much. But if you look at the list, it's quite impressive. So it's Pogba, it's Mata, it's Lingard. Matic and Cavani, wow. quite some big names, and some were uh, popular FPL options at, at some stages in, in, in their career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no longer uh, the case, at least not for Man United. Then uh, Tottenham, a few interesting signings there as well. Ivan Perisic, he came over from Inter Milan on a free transfer, and I've seen him his name already being mentioned a few times uh, by FPL experts. As mm-hmm. yeah, he used to be a forward, but now uh, there is some expectation that he he could be classified as a defender, like a wing back. So yeah, he has definitely uh, lots of attacking potential. That so that could be interesting. That's one to watch. And then the other signing that caught the news was the one from Yves Bissouma, who came over from Brighton for 35 million. Strong player, but maybe less interesting from an FPL perspective. Yeah. Last one to cover here is West Ham, as the Hammers also have a new signing. Uh, the 26-year-old Moroccan defender Nayef Aguert is coming over from French, uh, French side Stade Rennes for 30 million. So, yeah, I don't know him, to be honest, but for 30 million, <laughs> he must be pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Again, I want to keep an eye on. So yeah, quite a long list of players. You know, this was a bit longer because we're covering maybe now a few weeks of transfers. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, there will still be many to come on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anyone who caught your eye already, sort of? Oh, yeah, I don't have an opinion about most of the players uh, coming to the Premier League, except the obvious ones like Haaland and Nunes. And they're quite tempting. I'm skeptical until we know more. So do you have any favorites among the the new transfers? Because it seems like there are many. Yeah, well, you know, I talked about it last week. Uh, I think it will be quite difficult to go with Haaland, to be honest. It's it's such a talented player and uh, uh, really a goal-scoring machine playing for Manchester City. So, yeah, there's there's the rotation risk, but uh, many teams will pick him. So definitely on my mind. And then, of course, also Darwin at, at Liverpool. But yeah, we won't be able to fit them all in. So as always, it, it will be a, a big puzzle. So that was a lot of content we covered today. Uh, anything you still want to add before we wrap up ap- episode six? No, I think we covered a lot this episode. 
Yeah, indeed we did. And with that, it's then the final whistle again for another episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. Thanks everyone for the questions and thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get notified when the next episode comes out or follow us on Twitter. For me, that's at BelfiBB and for Sirtop, it's at SirtopBilal. Maybe the next time we'll talk, the FPL app will have been updated with the season 22-23 data, uh, which will uh, be very exciting. We're, we're waiting for it. But in any case, we'll more than likely be back with a new episode next week. So we'll talk to you then.